Good morning, Faith Church. It's good to see everybody here today. Thanks so much for being a part of our services. I want to welcome those who are watching online as well. Thanks for tuning in and being a part. I'm excited. No fear. November. We're going to do No Shave November, but I have kind of this thing with facial hair. If I can grow some, it's not much, and it's light, so you can't see it anyways. So we're going to go with No Fear November because a lot of us deal with a lot of fears. And think about it. Probably in every heart and every person in this room, there's some things you struggle with. There are some things that you're afraid of or you're scared of. There are some things that I think all of us in our lives, man, we just face some fears. Fears are abundant. Man, there is an incredibly long list of phobias that people deal with. Everything from dogs to death, everything from public speaking to peanut butter, it's kind of all out there. But let's be honest, you know, there's a lot of things that we might be afraid of that in life um, we can talk about them, we can joke about them, but really they're really inconsequential. Think about it. I talk about a lot, you know, my fear of spiders. I, I just hate, hate spiders. I don't care for them, wish they would just not exist. I can't explain why it bothers me. It could be that when I was four and five years old that my dad would kill a spider and then chase me around the, the, the house with guts on a napkin. I don't know, maybe that scarred me for life and I need some counseling. But, uh, but it's true, you know, and, uh, but let's be honest, at the end of the day, it, it, it's not really going to bother me. There was a guy in our church here who thought it was a good idea for pastor appreciation. This was his gift to me. He got me a yo-yo. And I just want you to know, I can do some yo-yoing. Um, I can walk the dog. I can go around the world. But here's the thing. I'm looking at this thing. I'm thinking, why would he get me a yo-yo? And on the flip side, there is a real spider. I know you can't see this, and it's kind of creepy me holding it. But can you imagine anything worse than a yo-yo that has a spider in it when you don't like spiders? Like, this was not made in Santa's workshop. This was made in Satan's workshop. Like, you try to get rid of it, and it just keeps coming back. You try to get rid of it, and it just keeps coming back. But, I mean, again, think about it. Most of the fears that we have are inconsequential. I don't really care for spiders, but at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to get bit by one. Probably not even going to happen. If I get bit by one, I'm going to itch for a couple days, and it's going to go away. If you don't like snakes, I get it. But let's be honest. If you don't like snakes, most of you aren't going in the woods anyways. And if one wanders on your property, you're probably never going to know it's there. And if by chance you even see the snake, you're not going to go near it. On the small, small chance you bump into a snake, you probably won't get bit. If you get bit, you're probably going to be okay. If not, I hope you know Jesus. Anyways, (laughs) but, but think about it. All of the fears that we have, most of them really do not matter. But through this series, No Fear November, I'm talking about some things that I believe um, that a lot of us wrestle with, some fears that I think are very consequential, some fears that I think matter in life. And today, I want to talk about the fear of failure. Everybody say failure. Not a great word to shout, but I think it's something that a lot of us, we experience in life. In fact, have you ever realized that anytime you want to take the next step in a decision in life, anytime you're kind of facing a big decision in life, have you ever noticed that it's spearheaded by fear? Think about it. Anytime you want to kind of do something big, anytime you reach out and kind of want to embrace life or go to the next level, kind of is always prefaced by fear. Whether you're filling out the application, no one ever fills out an application, or at least most people don't. Most people don't fill out an application and think, oh, I got this. If you're up for the the promotion, nobody ever feels like, oh, I I mean, there's no point in anybody else showing up. Everybody kind of feels like, man, do I have enough? Do I have enough experience? Do do I know the right people? Am I connected enough? Applications to get in school, we're we're afraid that we're not going to make it. We're just afraid of failure. Going to tryouts. You know, there's some of you here that you want to date somebody. You want to find your significant other, and you've kind of given up because, you know, when you see your prince charming across the room or you see your princess, 
There's not, come on, let's be honest. I know some of you are egotistical maniacs and you think that you are God's gift to women. But for most men, most guys, we think, oh, I can't talk to her. There's no way she would talk to me. Why? Because we face this fear of failure. When we look at an opportunity, we're getting ready to buy a house. We're getting ready to kind of maybe take a next step. We're getting ready to kind of venture out and, and, and look at the possibilities of, of starting a business. Going to school. Getting a job. And like all of these things, most of us, when those opportunities come, we don't approach it with a lot of confidence. We approach it with this fear of failure that we're probably not going to make it. And the question is, where does that come from? Where does the fear of failure come from? For some of us, the fear of failure, you know, the Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear. So I want you to know that, that some fear is a spiritual battle. Some of the fear that you face and that, that I wrestle with, it's a, it is a spiritual issue. But I think probably more times than not, maybe the fear that we're facing and your fear of failure, my fear of failure, comes from our past failures, that we failed in the past, so we're afraid, man, I failed in the past, if I try it again, I'm probably going to get the same results, I'm just going to fail again. So we're afraid to try something because we failed before. I think a lot of us, maybe it's just our own insecurities, we've not really ever failed because we've never really tried and we're afraid to try just because we just don't feel like we're enough. But here's what I want you to hear, is it really doesn't matter where the fear of failure comes from. What matters is what it keeps you from. Because I believe for everyone in this room that God has a next step for you, that God has something significant for you. The Bible says that God thinks good thoughts for us. God says that he has a future and a hope for us. But man, when we're standing on that threshold and we're thinking about taking that next step, we're thinking about venturing out and taking that step, Man, we just get held back. And for all of us in this room that wrestle with the fear of failure, which we all do, and if you've allowed it to hold you back, I want you to know something, that you've not just missed an event. You've not just missed a moment if you've allowed the fear of failure to hold you back. I want you to know that you've missed a life change. You've missed a lifetime opportunity. And so when, we've, when we talk about, again, this fear of failure, I want you to know that it's real, that a lot of us in this room, we wrestle with it. And my hope is this. And as I prayed and prepared this week, my hope is this, is that, that regardless of where your fear of failure comes from, that today God would help you to overcome what it's keeping you from. That God would really do something maybe to awaken your heart for you, man, to, to be able to wrestle through. If it's a spiritual battle for you, for, you, for God to give you the victory over that. If it's some things in your past, for God to give you a greater faith for your, for your future than fear of your past. If maybe it's your own insecurities, man, my hope is that, that today, that through the preaching of God's word, that God just flips the light switch in your heart and you just begin to believe that you can go to the next step, that you can be the thing that you've dreamed about, that you can have the thing that God's put in your heart. In fact, I just want to say this. I believe there's people in this room, maybe people watching online, that maybe God's called you to full-time ministry. Maybe God's dropped something in your heart like, man, God's called you to something bigger than just a nine-to-five. God's called you really to embrace maybe a call to ministry. And, man, you have just convinced yourself you would just could never do that, would never do that, would never succeed in that. And I'm just believing today, by the end of this message, that God's going to turn something loose in your heart and going to give you the faith to believe that failure is not your future but success. Anybody here believe that with me? And so I want you to open up your heart. I want you to jump on board with me. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Through this series, we've been focused and we will continue to focus on the life of David, 
on the life of David. And when, remember last week, if you were here, we looked at David's life. And David, last week, we found out that he was the youngest of eight brothers. And his seven brothers were kind of large and in charge. They didn't really think much of the youngest brother. They didn't really care much about David. In fact, we talked about last week the power of rejection. And man, they rejected him. His dad, Jesse, rejected him. And last week we learned when Samuel the priest, Samuel who was God's mouthpiece, showed up to Jesse's house to appoint and anoint the next king, that David didn't even get a call to submit his resume. David didn't even get the opportunity to say, hey, maybe I'm the guy. But eventually Samuel found David. And where we ended last week was that David was anointed and appointed to be king of Israel. He was given, even though he was still a shepherd boy, it was said that he was going to be the guy who wore the crown. He was going to be the cat that sat on the throne. And fast forward during the movie of David in scripture, this is the next big story that we're going to look at. It's a story of something that most of you in this room are familiar with. It's the story of the battle of David and Goliath. It is this epic tale that's true in history. It's not just a a business idiom to get you to think your small company can take on the big company. This is a real story about a real shepherd boy stepping onto the battlefield with a nine and a half foot giant warrior and taking him down. And what I want to see as we move through this story today, I want to pull some things out and plug them into your heart to help you overcome your fear. A failure. Let me just set up another part of this. So the way the Bible paints this picture is that the Philistines, this group, this nation was battling against the nation of Israel. And ultimately, side by side, the nation, uh, the Philistines were on one hilltop and the nation of Israel was on the other hilltop and there was a valley in between. And before they ever raced down into the valley and went head to head, face to face, battle to battle, Before it could ever happen, that army to army meant, the Bible tells us that at one point that this Philistine giant, again, nine and a half foot tall, comes lumbering out, (laughs) steps out on the battlefield. I mean, this guy is huge, monster, nine and a half foot tall, the greatest warrior of of his age. And he makes this announcement and he says, hey, listen, instead of our army fighting your army, You send your greatest warrior to fight me. And if you defeat me, then the Philistines will be your servants. But if I defeat your greatest warrior, then the Israelites will be our servants. And nobody answers the call. Nobody goes onto the battlefield. And there is this this fear. And do you know why? Because nobody believed that they could beat the giant. Everybody was wrestling with their own fear of failure. And so here's where the story picks up. Check this out. One day, Jesse, again, David's father, one day, Jesse said to David, hey, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. Just kind of an odd place to pick up. But here's what I want you to see is, remember last week, David's dad and his brothers rejected him from being king, but they were there when he was anointed and appointed. They were there when they heard Samuel the priest say, you're going to be the king. And still they didn't see him. They, he didn't even get the opportunity to go onto the battlefield. You're not good enough to fight. Your brothers can go fight. You can't fight. The best you'll ever be is a shepherd boy or a delivery boy. You can go deliver some groceries. And so he takes the food up to the battlefield. Verse 20, watch this. 
So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse directed him. And he arrived at the camp. Come on, read this with me. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So watch this. This is not days later. This is weeks later. So every day they would get up and they would go and they would go face the giant and nobody would go face the giant. The giant would taunt them and then for the night they would go back to their tents. But here's how the picture starts. They would go, read this with me, with shouts and battle cries. So every morning light, they would rally the troops. Okay, come on, guys, this is the day. We're going to do it. Come on, everybody. Israelite on three. One, two, three. Israelite. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. That's our victory battle. And they're like running out on the field, and they get out there and like, and they see the giant again. I don't know how they forgot about him, but every day they get out, and they're talking a big talk, but they're not walking a big walk. They're shouting and making a lot of noise, but they're not really accomplishing anything. And I just think, gosh, if there's any verse that maybe sometimes describes the church, it's that verse right there. That we make a whole lot of noise and ruckus, and, and, and we're going to boycott your business, and we're going to do this, and we're going to win our community, and all we do is talk. And the reason I think we're a lot of talk and not a lot of action is because we have a lot of dreams, but we also have a lot of fear. And we see what God's called us to. We've seen the potential of what would happen if God could use my life. What would happen if I would take the next step? What would happen if I would venture out and be what I really want to be, what's been put in my heart? What would happen if I stepped out? And even though we talk a lot about it, it's that fear of failure that holds us back from ever doing it. But in this group of people that go out onto, the battle, out onto this hilltop over the battlefield is David. Watch this next verse. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks, (sighs) steps out on the battlefield. Then read it with me. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. So here's David. Check this out. Here's David with all of his fellow soldiers. And David sees for the first time Goliath the giant. And he not only sees him, but he hears the taunt. Someone come down and fight me. And nobody moves. David's looking around waiting for somebody to take the step and go down and accept the challenge. But because of the fear of failure, nobody moves. But I want you to think about this. Listen to me. David, he's looking around. And y'all know where the story goes. Let me just give it away. David goes down on the field to kick butt and take names. And so you watch this. So watch. This is so big. You got to get this. While everyone else heard the taunt, David saw the opportunity. Everyone else heard the threat, but David saw potential. I want you to know that the feeling of fear is the first evidence of potential. If you feel fear, now there's common sense fear that says don't do that and you probably shouldn't do that. But there's that fear, that fear of failure trying to hold you back. And sometimes when you feel that failure, that fear trying to hold you back, that means you're right at the threshold of something really awesome about to happen in your life. And if you'll allow the fear to not overcome you, but you overcome and get to the other side of the threshold, you could see and experience amazing things. And so check this out. David, David, he starts asking around. So, hey, uh, let me just ask you a question. Um, So what happens to the guy who goes down on the battlefield and beats Goliath? Like nobody's even had this conversation. Nobody can even imagine that that's a possibility. But David starts asking, hey, what happens to the guy who wins? Well, King Saul has already made it known that this is what would happen. That there would be, it doesn't give us a number, but there would be a great reward. 
So you get, you get paid. You beat the giant, you get paid. That's, that's a win. Number two, you get a woman. Getting paid and getting a woman, like, come on, guys, that's it. We can just settle down and retire at that point. You get not just a woman, you get one of the king's daughters, which kings don't have ugly daughters, and if they have ugly daughters, they're, nobody ever sees them. So you get a hot wife. Number three, this is the biggest win of all. Number three, the winner, whoever beats Goliath, and it's on nobody's radar because everybody's afraid, but David, he, he sees an opportunity. He's afraid, but he sees potential. The third thing wasn't just great riches, wasn't just a great woman, but you, ne- you and your whole family never had to pay taxes again. What? I'll fight the giant right now to never pay taxes again. Who's in on that one? You know what? But watch this. So David, while everybody else is like, nobody wants to fight the giant. David's like, wait, wait, I don't really want to fight the giant, but if I fight the giant, if I win, wait, wait. So if I win, I get wealth and a woman and never pay taxes? See, I want you to know something. Hear me, listen. When you feel that fear, it's trying to hold you back from something great. Your next step in life, your next step in ministry, the next thing that God's called you to do, your next step in where you're headed on your journey. Fear is trying to hold you back. God is trying to push you forward. And there is something waiting for you on the other side. You're not just missing a moment. You're missing a life change that God wants you to experience. And man, David, he refuses to miss what God has for him. He refuses. And so here's a question. Listen, what would make, what would make a shepherd boy step out on the battlefield with the greatest warrior of his time? See, I'm not suggesting today that David wasn't afraid. That's foolish. I'm telling you, I believe David was absolutely afraid. But what motivated him off the hillside onto the battlefield? Check this out. 1 Samuel chapter uh, 16 last week. Remember how we ended his story last week. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Did you all get this in here? Listen to this. Read this. Remember when Samuel came and anointed David as king at the end of our story last week? But here's what it says. If you weren't here, read it with me. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, now think about this. That means when David went on to the battlefield, here's what he knew. That who, who, the, the God who's with me is greater than the giant who's against me. And I just want to tell you what's going to get us to face our fears is to know that, that, that the one who's with us is greater than the one who's against us. See, David knew this. David says, I'm not going to view how small I am. What I want to keep in my perspective, what I want to keep in my rearview mirror is how big God is. Something I like to say on a regular basis is big Jesus. Everybody say those two words, big Jesus. You ought to just say that every time you're getting ready to face a fear and you have an opportunity to remember the God who's not just with you. This is, this is big. God's not just with you. See, David felt, I, I, you say, Pastor, explain it. I can't explain it. But David knew, like there was something that changed, like something in his heart, something in his life, like God was powerfully with him. Like, what does that mean? I, I don't know. He just knew, like he had this comment, like God's with me. And I want you to know, listen, the doctrine of the church teaches God's word teaches, Jesus taught that God is not just with us, but he's in us. And I just wonder what would happen in this room 
with this group of people, if it wasn't just doctrine, if you really believe, if you woke up tomorrow and you really believe that God was with you, how would you live tomorrow if you really believed that God was with you? See, because David believed it so much that he walked onto a battlefield and he didn't allow fear to keep him on the hillside. And he kicked giant butt. Or giant's butt. Both are accurate. Write either one down in your notes. But he won. Do you know why? Because God was with him. And I want you to know something, that God is with you. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he who is in us. Everybody say in us. Greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. That means whatever you're facing, whatever your fear is that's trying to hold you back, if it's a person or a thing, God who is with you and in you is greater. What motivated a shepherd boy onto the battlefield is his confidence that God was with him. In fact, notice what he says. Once on the battlefield facing Goliath, he says this in, verse, uh, in ver- uh, chapter 17. Jump down to verse, I think, 45. Read this. David, this is his reply to the giant. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, which, let's be honest, is pretty daunting. But David knew that God was with him powerfully. So he says, read it with me. Every voice here, come on. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Keep reading, every voice. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Now I want you to know, to David or to Goliath, who is nine and a half foot tall, listening to this prepubescent boy, probably heard, and the Lord will conquer you. And I, I, I will kill you. He wasn't intimidated at all. But I want you to know something. Again, fast forward to the end of the story. David won. Not because of who he was, but because of who God was. And the same God who was with David on the battlefield is with you today and will be with you tomorrow when you're applying to school, when you're going to school, when you're trying to get the job, when you're looking for Mr. Wonderful that God has for you, when you're looking for Mrs. Right, when God's dropped a business in your lap, when God's put a dream in your heart, when God's called you to do something no one else has done. Listen, that fear that wants to hold you back is trying to rob you of potential. God is with you to get you to overcome. But something else happens. I want to back up to David's conversation. So he's talking with Saul now. He's like, Saul, I'll, I'll go handle business. So let's back up. He's heard, he's heard the chance of Goliath. Check this out. Go back in 1 Samuel. But when David, go to the next verse for me, please. Keep going. Here we go. So David, now he goes to King Saul to tell him, hey, if nobody else will go on the battlefield, I'll go. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Now listen to this very encouraging, uplifting, motivating speech by the king. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no stinking way. I put stinking in, but I'm sure it's there in the original Hebrew. There's no stinking way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. Listen, this is, this is so big. Saul didn't believe in him. I skipped the verse, but Eliab, his brother, said, why don't you go back and go back to the sheep? Nobody believed in him. I'm just telling you, if you're waiting for other people to always come and believe in you, 
That's probably never going to happen. In fact, what I have found is most true in life, and this is hard to say, but some of you know this, is a lot of other people who have failed in life will come and tell you you can't do it because they couldn't do it. And I want you to know just because they failed doesn't mean that you have to fail. Your confidence can't be in their past failures. Your confidence has to be in who is God who is with you. God's with you. But watch this. Keep going. Because he doesn't just know God's with him. Something else starts to happen. Next verse. Who is with us is greater than who's against us. Who is with us is greater than who's against us. This is not just true, but I want you to know know something. Watch this. In this conversation that David is having with King Saul, he says, but David persisted. He didn't allow the king to talk him out of it. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that have to do with anything? And he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock... I go after it. Now, I'm just telling you, I run the other way. David's running after it. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Now, wait. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And he, listen, he's just giving you the resume because this is what a shepherd does. If you're a shepherd, it's your job to guard the flock and is guarding the flock at times your, your flock is going to be at jeopardy of other animals that want to come and eat your flock. So your job as a shepherd is when your flock is attacked by an animal, you have to attack the animal to guard the flock. So he's just giving the resume at this point. But I want you to notice something because this is so key. He says, this is what shepherds do. Shepherds fight lions and bears. Next verse, watch this. Everyone read this with me. I have done this. Everybody shout that. I have done this. He's saying, I'm not just telling you what shepherds do. I'm telling you what I've done. I'm not just giving you the resume of what, it sh- what should happen. I'm telling you I've experienced it. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to the pagan Philistine too, for he's defied the armies of the living God. Here's what I want you to know is another thing I think motivated him onto the battlefield is that a successful past gives us hope for a successful future. If you're here and you're like, pastor, I would do it, but I'm just afraid to fail. You know what got you to this point today? Now hear me, everybody in this room, we, we have failed. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We failed, we've messed up. Some of you in this room, you've not tried, but at the end of the day, every one of you in this room, you have a resume of successes. Some of you in this room, you've taken opportunities and you've overcome. You've taken jobs and you've made it. God's given you opportunities, man, and you've embraced it. Everyone in this room, you have a story of how God has been faithful in your past. And God's faithfulness in our past should give us this hope. Listen, because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means if God was with you and faithful to you yesterday, that God is going to be with you and faithful to you. Come on, say it. Today. And tomorrow when you get there, he's going to be with you and faithful to you then. So as you look back and think, hey, is, what's gonna, what, what gives a kid the audacity to walk onto a battlefield? It's because God was so faithful in his life. And he, I, here's the thing is, I don't think he realizes it that moment. In fact, he's telling the story like, yeah, you know, I killed some lions and bears. I killed, I killed lions and bears. His own brothers couldn't say that. His brothers who were warriors had killed nobody, but he was left to guard sheep, had real battle experience. See, listen, this is so big. So remember, here's David last week. He's rejected. He's left out on the battlefield. No one's seen his potential. 
And you might be in a place tonight where you feel forgotten and you feel marginalized and abandoned. And I want you to know, God knows where you are and he wants you to learn where you are. See, what what David learned on the shepherd field made it possible for him to be successful on the battlefield, which means God had David in school when he felt like he was rejected. Where you are, God wants to use you and teach you. God wants you to learn where you are. Learn all you can and can all you learn. Because if you'll take the things that God's teaching in this moment, it'll make you successful in the season that's coming in your life. And you can go on and read then the rest of this story. David walks onto the battlefield with the confidence that God's with him. He walks onto the battlefield with the confidence that God's been faithful in his past, so God's going to be faithful in this battle. And he reaches in a pouch, and he grabs a stone. And this is so cool. He sticks it in a sling that his mom told him his whole life, you're going to shoot your eye out. And he's like, and he lets it go. And the Bible says it doesn't just hit the giant. The Bible says the stone sinks into the giant's forehead. And just to make sure there's no way he's getting up. Now, let's let's back up. Let's just remember who we're talking about. We're talking about the nine and a half foot giant that none of the warriors of Israel dared to go out into battle with. David, a prepubescent shepherd boy, walked out on the battlefield with and slayed the giant. And to make sure he was dead, the Bible says he took his sword, Goliath's sword, and cut off his head. And in a really kind of gruesome thing that really wasn't necessary, held up his head to let everybody know that God had helped David to overcome the giant. I wonder what the thing is that God wants you to hold up for you to say, look what God has done. Maybe it's a test score. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a business permit. Maybe it's a book, maybe it's a CD, maybe it's a ministry. That God said, listen, I want to give you victory and you've been afraid that you can't make it. But God wants to be with us and God wants to be faithful to us if we'll give him the opportunity and step out of fear and step into our future. I want to give you just a couple more things real quick as we get ready to wrap this up. A couple of things I want you to write down. Number one, you're going to fail. And you're like, wait, wait, pastor, what happened to all that success speech? Everybody say, I'm going to fail. If you try enough things, you're going to fail. Failure is imminent because you're not always going to succeed all the time in everything you do. But you'll never succeed in something that you've never tried. So failure at some point, guys, we're all going to fail. We're all going to fail. In fact, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. So if you're going to try something, if you're going to step out and do something, There's going to be a chance that you fail at, but here's what you have to know, is it's okay to feel the disappointment of failure. You just can never believe that you are a failure. Failing, failing is an event. It's not a person. And even when you fail, you still have God's approval. So you're going to fail. But I want to just give this to you because this is the most important thing I'm going to tell you today. I want everybody to pull in. Everybody pull in, pull in, pull in. This is the most important thing I'm going to tell you. When we feel like we failed, it's because we've measured it to our expectations of what success is, right? We think, if I try that, then if this happens, I succeeded. If I get enough money in the bank to marry the right person, if it it all happens the way I think it should happen. So we think that the opposite of failure is success. And I think God wants us to have success. This is the most important thing I I want you to hear today, is that the biblical measurement... Biblical measure of failure is not the lack of success, it's the lack of obedience. 
It's not the lack of success. It's the lack of obedience, which means this. It's not really up to you to succeed anyways. Your job is just to say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. God wants you to be obedient in the opportunity he's given you. God wants you to step out. Again, so that means, hear me, it's not about success. It's about effort. In 1 John chapter 2 records the, the first miracle of Jesus, and it's, it's kind of a cool miracle. It's the miracles. Anybody know what it did? Jesus turned water into the Baptists have had a problem with that ever since then. It's grape juice. It wasn't grape juice. It was wine. It wasn't just Mad Dog 2020. It was the good stuff. <laughs> wasn't, he wasn't riding the night train. wasn't Wild Irish Rose. It was the good stuff. Now, you're saying, Pastor Steve, are you advocating drinking? No, I, I, don't th- I think if you're a Christ follower, I don't think you should drink. I think it's bad for your testimony, bad for your health. I think it's a waste of money. That's my opinion. But Jesus turned water into wine, so I'm okay talking about it. If you don't like it, when you get to heaven, if you get to heaven, you can take it up with Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus didn't just take any water. This is so important. You got it. Don't miss this. Mary looked at, G- looked at, the, looked at the servants of the wedding, and this is, this is right here. This is everything you need to know about being successful in life. She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Yeah, but what if, what if we spill the water? What if we can't get enough water? What if, it's, you know, what if, what if the well's dry? God's like, hey, just, just give an effort. Because that's the real measurement of success. It's not how successful we are. Did you do what God's called you to do? Did you put an effort for it? See, I believe success, that's, that's God's business. But effort, that's our business. And when they took and they went and they filled those water pots up, once God had something to use through their effort, God worked a miracle. So I want you to know something. You're going to fail, but hear me, don't measure failure by you didn't succeed. Measure your failure by did you even try because your obedience matters. Second thing real quick is even though you're going to fail, I want you to know this, you can overcome. If you'll keep plugging away, listen, some of you just have to learn to be tenacious in the dream that God has for you, to be tenacious and not give up. Some of you, God's called you to be small group leaders and you tell you, I can never do that, I, I can never do that, I can never do this thing, I can never step out, I can never go back to school. Listen, stop telling yourself what you can't do and start telling yourself what God said you can do. You can overcome. So if you've fallen and you failed, like me, I want you to know you can overcome. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. See, it's not really what matters. It doesn't really matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you, which means you're going to fail. But if you don't allow that to affect your heart and you just keep getting up, you're going to get there. Why? How do you, Pastor, how can you tell me I'm going to get there? Because God is with you. He's been faithful in your past. He's going to be faithful in your future. And if you'll keep getting up, even when you fall, you're going to make it. And the last thing I want you to hear about facing your failures today is this, is you must take some faith risks. You must. This is a, this is a spiritual journey we're on, guys. You've got to take some faith risks. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm going to say something that might rub some of you the wrong way, but I want you to hear this because this is, this is big. If you've convinced yourself that it's okay not to do something or try something or venture out into something because you're afraid, there comes a time if God called you to do it, you can't justify it away with fear. At some point, it's disobedience. Because if God's been calling you to do it and you're saying no, you can't excuse it by saying, well, I'm just afraid. There's a verse in Matthew 25 in the story of the parable 
of the talents, which is a picture that Jesus paints of this guy who owns this property. Before he leaves, he puts his servants in charge of his property. And then he comes back and wants to know, how well did you manage, how, how well did you manage my 401k while I was gone? And one guy was so afraid to lose his master's money, he was afraid of failure. He did nothing with it. And notice this, watch. Every voice here, read this with me as we close. I was afraid. That's an excuse we all have. I'm afraid at times. I'm afraid. I'm okay to say I'm afraid at times. But I refuse to allow my fear of failure to keep me from what God has for me. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You know what he's saying? God's saying at some point, you got to take a step of faith. I know you're afraid, but at some point, you got to step out. At some point, you got to start giving. At some point, you have to start serving. At some point, you have to be the person who God's called you to be. At some point, you have to stop letting the fear of failure keep you from the journey that God has for you. Because there is something greater. There's something greater than the fear of failure, and it's the pain of regret. And the last thing I would want for anybody in this room, including the guy standing on this platform, is to die with potential in my life that I missed because I was afraid. And so I want to pray for you today. If you're here and when you think about your tomorrow, man, it's like, I just never can. I'm afraid. I'm not going to make it. I'm not enough. I want to pray that God is going to give you victory right here in this moment. And you're going to carry this word out of here. And you're going to walk onto your battlefield. And you're going to slay your giant. And you're going to have what God's called you to have. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I thank you today for the word. And I pray, God, let it supercharge every heart and life in this house. That, God, we would have a greater confidence, not in who we are, but, God, because you're with us and because you've been faithful to us, that, God, we can face our fear of failure head on and overcome. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that you just stir faith, God, stir faith in every life. That, God, in spite of failures, that we can overcome. And as we continue to overcome, God, we've got to keep stepping out in faith, keep stepping out in faith. And so, Lord, help us to follow you into the victory that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Listen, just, uh, just one more minute before you go. I think it's important that everybody here has an opportunity, if you never have, to give your life to Christ. The Bible tells us that, that every one of us, apart from Christ, we're separated from God. That God loves us, he created us, but because of sin, because of rebellion, because of the choice we made, we're separated from him. And there's nothing we can do to bridge that gap. You can't be good enough, read your Bible enough, give enough money away. The only thing that bridges the gap between creation and creator is grace that came through Jesus Christ. That the reason he came, the reason he died on the cross was to make a way for you to get back to your father. Was a way for you to be find forgiveness and have a relationship with Christ. And so the Bible says the way that you receive that grace, the way that you make that grace yours and close that gap and have a relationship with God is just by saying yes. It's by putting faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And so all across this room, one more minute with your heads bowed. Father, I pray not one person today who's in this room who's far from you. God, maybe some who are running from you would miss not my voice, but your voice calling them home. 
And so, Lord, I pray open every heart. Listen, if you're here with your head bowed and your eyes closed and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're watching online at home, you can respond to this as well. If you've never said, yes, Jesus, will you save me? Will you forgive me? If you've never made that decision, if you've never prayed that prayer, man, I'm just going to tell you, you're lost without him. But he is waiting for you. He's waiting for you just to say yes. And so this morning, if you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me, man? I want to give my life to Christ. I want want this thing you're telling me about. I want want to be forgiven. I want to know that I'm in a relationship with God. I want to make sure that, that heaven's my home. If you can't say that, but today you want to say that, you want to say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want you to lift a hand real high. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody here? Say, Pastor Steve, thank you all the way in the back. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Hear me, going to church does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christ follower is accepting God's grace into your life. The Bible says, for we are saved by grace through faith. So if you never said yes to his grace, now's your opportunity. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see one hand in the back. And I just want you to know, if you're here and you didn't even raise your hand, or the one who did, the Bible says if we'll confess out of our mouth, if we'll say out of our mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart that he died for you, the Bible says in that moment, you're forgiven. In that moment, you become God's kid. And so we're going to do that together with every voice. If you'll say this out loud with me, say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me so I could be forgiven. I receive your grace. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe you rose from the dead. And because you live, I live too. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God? Come on, church. Hey, listen, on your way out, if you pray that, whether you raise your hand or not, if you pray that from your heart,